you. Awesome. <clears throat> well, for those of you that don't know, um, I wrote a book. My first one is called Where's God on Tuesday? And there was an older version of the book that was available on the book table, but I brought the second edition. So we've had some adding to it and some uh, corrections of really serious typos. Um, so I'm happy to bring this book along with me today. And my next book, which is any minute going to arrive in the mail for final approval, is He Cares for Me. And uh, when that is made available, I'll certainly get that to Bethany so she can make that available to you. As Beth mentioned, the ministry of He Cares for Me is a ministry that God really birthed out of my own personal life of realizing there are so many broken people, and it really all goes back to family. And um, so God has just been using this ministry of He Cares for Me to bring some healing and deliverance. And you're going to hear a testimony today from one of your very own. Annie Harlan is going to be sharing her testimony. Um, she, uh, yeah, and Matt went, mm-mm. So... <laughs> So um, she's going to share hers about her experience with the ministry of He Cares for Me. Also, I came on Monday nights uh, with Soraya Abru. I was at the Monday night at at J-Hop, and we did some healing ministry and modeling. And many of you, I think there was a total between the four weeks of about 60 young adults, uh, married and and college career age, that came through um, those four weeks. So there's a lot of testimonies of what God did in their life. And just that very brief moment together, it's beautiful. So God is in the healing business. And he's in the family business. Yeah. Amen? He's in the family business. So, um, so the book will be available. And my financial advisor, who happens to be my husband, is going to be at the book table. And so he'll be collecting because I owe him money. <laughs> so <laughs> it's going back to my debt. But, um, so, you know, publication. I have a great publishing company. A lot of you know uh, Pastor Chad Walla. Waller Hill Publications. He's published my second edition of my first book, and he's publishing He Cares for Me. And also my third book, which is going to be called He's Looking for a Donkey to Ride into Your City. Um, so that one I'm already working on, book three. So uh, Waller Hill Publication, if you're interested in writing a book, Pastor Chad Waller would be a really good connection for you to find out more about that. So, yes, I think you're supposed to write a book. <laughs> Praise God. All right, so the message this morning, without further ado, is God's plan for family. And uh, if it wasn't for my children, I wouldn't be a mom. Well, actually, if it wasn't for my husband. (laughs) But (laughs) second step would be, if it wasn't for my children, I wouldn't be a mom. And I'm so blessed to not only have Bethany here today, but my youngest son, Aaron Yo, is in the house. (laughs) It's good to have him. My oldest son living in Northwoods, New Hampshire, quite a distance away from here, is busy celebrating Mother's Day with his mom and mother-in-law, so we bless him. But it's good to have family together. And uh, that what a miracle it is. We sang the song about the miracle working God today. What a miracle it is about Martha's life. But uh, there's also a miracle yet to be told and to be written about, about Martha and Daryl's life and our family's life and how God brought these two beautiful ones together. So those are, that's a miracle. And um, it's a miracle, if you only understood. Then it was a miracle the two survived the 12 years before marriage because they didn't date for 12 years. They didn't date. No, what? No. They honored the Lord in their relationship, and they stayed pure before the Lord, and it's a beautiful testimony. So praise the Lord God for miracles. Amen? (laughs) All right. So the very foundation of family originated in the heart 
and the mind of God, and he alone created family. I'm going to read Ephesians 3. I don't know if we whip that stuff up here or not, but I'll wait if it's supposed to go up. But Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 21. Oh, New King James. Is that possible? All right. I don't want to hold up too long, but I can start reading. Let me start. All right. So Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 21. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. He named family. He named family. It's his idea. It's his creation. It's his model. It's his origination. He's the creator of it. He gave the blueprint. Verse 16, that he would grant you, all of us, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. You need his strength and might for family, for marriage, for raising children. I was looking at some of the um, blessing for moms for um, Mother's Day, and uh, one, one of them is a cute little rap by these moms, all, you know, funky with the hat sideways and all that bit. And they're singing, my babies are worth it. Mm -mm -mm, my babies are worth it. And then they got the little ones on the other side going, I'm the baby and I'm worth it. <laughs> but the babies are worth it. But boy, is it a lot of work. You haven't noticed anything that's worth anything is a lot of work. And all the college and careers, you know, I said, amen. Hey, going to college is work, but it's worth it. Getting married is work, but it's worth it. Having children is worth work, but it's worth it. And so anything that's worth having is worth working for, and it's always hard work. But that he would grant you, according to the riches, his glory to be strengthened with the might through his spirit and the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. So the original intent of, of family is a blueprint that God has made. The whole family, heaven and earth, is named after Father God calling it family. So the origin of family is the first spiritual, is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the first family. And, you know, some have said, well, I don't see a mother in that picture, but the Holy Spirit really represents all the characteristics of female. Did you know that in God there is both male and female in God? Women are not an afterthought that was added on because God felt bad for Adam. Women were made in the creation of mankind, which we call Hadam in the original Hebrew. And Hadam means Adam, means mankind. So in Adam was created, and you can read it in Genesis, both male and female. God, he created them, both male and female. It was later he caused a deep sleep to come upon Adam, and he took from his side not from his feet, not from above his head, but from his side, a helpmeet. And so together, women and men reflect the goodness of God and the character of God. So in the family dynamic of the heavenly family, we see all the characteristics that we would call feminine in the Holy Spirit. And it doesn't mean the Holy Spirit is passive or the Holy Spirit is weak. It means that all the characteristics of love and peace and, you know, most, uh, most families, you know, the women are the peacemaker. 
And um, so what happens is the, the, and it's used in a negative way by the enemy if we're not careful, but in the spirit realm, it's meant to bring peace to the family. And so when, you ever heard that uh, a story when, when mama's happy, everybody's happy? Uh-huh. Well, when mama brings peace, the whole house is peace. You know, so there's an element of peace that's brought through the female gender in the family unit. But there's also an element that's brought in through the male gender in the family unit, which is authority and order. And so together, there's peace and order. And so if you notice in the book of Genesis, when the world was in chaos, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit hovered over the earth and brought order. Okay, so Holy Spirit, Father, and Jesus are all in this together. So in a family, we're all in this together. So the origin, when you think about the, that God-originated family, the origin means this, the point or place where something begins, the source or cause of something. So God is the source and the cause of family. He's the creator. He created the first human family. In the natural, Adam and Eve, and as we know, their sons. So creation, the act of creating, especially the act of bringing the world into order and existence. Now, I like to tell people this. God made Adam from the dirt and the dust of the earth, correct? That's why boys like to play in the dirt. God created woman and fashioned her. No wonder we like to shop. So... So the thing is this, is that <laughs> girls don't like getting dirty. Guys love getting dirty. So we're, we're created to be different, and that difference together reflects who God is, the beauty of Christ and the meekness of Christ, and yet the strength and the boldness and the authority of the Father. And it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful example. So the definition of traditional family, according to Webster's, is any group of persons. Now listen closely to what the definition is. Any group of persons closely related by blood. That's Webster's definition of family. As such as parents, children, aunts and uncles and cousins. Grandparents aren't in there. I should have added that. Webster, dictionary. Okay. So blood in biological and spiritual birth. Okay. Now listen to this. Biological birth by the first week. There are blood cells in the embryo by the first week. Blood cells have formed in the embryo. There's no heart there, but blood cells are present. So we're born through blood, blood family, and we're also born by water, correct? When you're born from a, uh, uh, the bursting of the waters and the child comes forth. So in the natural, there's blood and water at the birth, but in the spiritual, there's blood and water. So it's by the blood of Jesus and the washing of the water of the word. So blood and water is a part of birth, whether it's your natural birth or your spiritual birth. Nevertheless, it involves blood. So the definition of modern family, and I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but if you've seen the, new, the show Modern Family, according to culture, is a group of people who live together, has nothing to do with blood. Man is endeavoring to redefine the origin and the original intent of God Almighty for family. This isn't a political issue. This is a God issue. Romans 12, 1 through 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. From the time an infant is born until the grave, there's an ideology that's coming to redefine humanity, redefine marriage, redefine 
the things that God has established from the beginning of the earth, and it's man's wisdom. But the Bible says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 1 Corinthians 2, 12 through 13 says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So the natural carnal mind of man, if you tried to talk to them about the original blueprint and design of God for marriage and family, they are not going to be on your page. As a matter of fact, they will oppose your page because they don't understand this. They're dealing with and they're literally resisting against God Almighty. It's amazing that he loves us so much, even when we were yet still sinners. Christ Jesus died for us. I used to resist him in many of these things. And I used to have a mindset that was contrary to who he was and what his word says he was until his love broke through and helped me to see the truth. So God's blueprint designed for family. Now let's think about in a perfect world. Father would be protector, provider, the coach, strength, the mentor, and spiritual leader of the home in a perfect world. Mother would be comforter, helper, friend, counselor, tender, nurturer, teacher. And brother and sister would be the closest relationships, demonstrating cooperation, collaboration, and consideration. How many of you live in that kind of family? Anybody here? Nope, no hands, as I thought. Moms and dads teach us how to respect and honor and submit to authority because we learn by watching them honor and respect God's authority. But in the family dynamic, I can't speak for other countries. I've only lived in America this month, 65 years. I can speak for my country. You don't see respect. You don't see parents respecting children. You don't see children respecting parents. We have lost respect because our behaviors are not respectable. So moms and dads are to teach us that level and understanding authority, but brothers and sisters are to teach us how to get along with our peers and how to get along with others. The identity and security that we need as children comes from family. Fathers give their children a sense of identity, but moms give their children a sense of worth. So it's identity and worth. I know who I am, and I know that I am loved, and that my value is not in what I do, but in who I am and who loves me. Everything in human beings' life is defined by love because God is love. So what happens is when we're born into a fallen world and we're born into a broken family and there's uh, a Bible word that's called iniquity. Iniquity is something that just like you get your blue eyes, your dark hair or whatever, your freckles or whatever from your mom, your dad's side of the family somewhere along the way. And it's interesting because in uh, one family dynamic that I'm very close to, as a matter of fact, we're related, um, there was a redhead that popped up and everybody's like, where'd that one come from? They were all like, 
This doesn't look right. <laughs> There's no redheads that we know of in any of the family pictures. But then doing a, a deeper heritage study, finding out that there were redheads in the way past. And so it can pop up in your genes anywhere. So that's what iniquity is like. Spiritual sin in families is called iniquity. And it's born into the next generation. So we're born in iniquity. We're born in our mother's sin. But what happens is Jesus died on the cross to set us free from that iniquity. And just because he paid the price for it doesn't mean that we walk in the freedom of it. It's something that has to be applied. If I told you today that at the bank there was right now a million dollars in your name and you just needed to go claim it and you said, I don't believe it, so I'm not going, it wouldn't change a thing. That million dollars would still be in the bank and you'd never receive it because you didn't believe it. So being free from a family spirit of iniquity that's been in your family, whether it's addictions or, or suicide or whatever it might be, and I could go on and on and on. And when Jesus died on the cross for you to be free, a lot of people say, well, he died for me to be free, but I'm not free. So I don't know how to get free. Thus is the reason for the ministry of He Cares For Me, helping people to understand the freedom that Christ Jesus died to give them, but also teaching them the tools that they can walk in that freedom. And the, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Not Monday through Friday, and then whoop, we slip on Saturday, and then on Sunday we repent. Now I'm saying, as a former alcoholic, I get that. I did that for years. And it wasn't until I cried out to God and said, God, what is at the root of why I do what I do? I am tired of dealing with the fruit of it and trying to conform myself so that it's no longer a part of who I am. And yet, God, I don't know what the root of it is. God has to reveal what the root of an issue is. Otherwise, we're always dealing with the fruit. And then we feel like a failure as a Christian because we try to conform without getting free. You cannot walk in freedom if you haven't been free yet. And so we play, and I hate to use the word religious Christian games, to give an appearance that we're somewhere that we're not, when in reality, our soul is very wounded and broken, and we need healing. God is so good to bring us into it. Amen? Amen. So when I speak in terms of the message that I'm giving you today, I'm not saying absolutes, but I'm going to share some things with you. A two-parent family has the ability to thrive. I don't know if any of you guys have noticed, but I think little Abraham is thriving. What do you think? Pretty secure, isn't he? Wow. He could talk to a donut, and it would talk back to him. <laughs> I'm telling you what. The kid is secure in who loves him and who believes in him and who trusts that his little life is, is, even though he's in a little body, he's a spiritual being, and he's treated like a spiritual being. Being He's taught spiritual things like a spiritual being. And so you can see the difference in a child that's being raised in an environment that is not perfect, because none of us are, but healthy, and pursuing a life in Christ, and being perfected. So a two-parent family has the ability. Now, I grew up in a two-parent family, but I didn't thrive. Because the two-parent family that I grew up in were not healthy and whole themselves. So they couldn't give to their children health and wholeness. So I'm not saying that it's a given if you have a two-parent family that you're going to thrive. But you have the ability to. Single-parent families do well just to survive. I know because I work with single-parent families in the ministry of He Cares for Me all the time. And I see the struggles. And it breaks my heart. To see what single parent, and I'm talking about fathers who are single parents as well. I'm not being gender favorite here, but there are men that are suffering terribly and they're little girls. And they've wept and said, I don't know how to do her hair in the morning when she needs to go to school and it breaks my heart. 
I want her to have a mommy in her life. So there's a hardship that comes not only on the parent, but also on the children that is difficult. And they do well to survive. And then children from broken families often dive. So they thrive, they survive, or they dive. Often children from broken families, and I'm not talking about single parenting now, I'm talking about broken families. They dive into an abyss of depression and anger and resentment toward God. And I can remember as a child blaming God for a lot of the things that happened in my life. I remember as little as about four or five years old in my bedroom, there was a beautiful picture of Jesus up on the wall with children around him and little bunnies and stuff. And I can remember during times of great anxiety in my own little heart because of what I was facing and going through, looking at that picture and thinking, you don't exist because you don't care because you're doing nothing about my situation. And although I was little in my thoughts, I can remember thinking those thoughts. So children from broken families often dive. I dove into addictive behaviors as a very young child. My first time of ever going into an alcoholic coma. Not unto death. I didn't die, but they could not wake me up. I vomited all over everything and everybody. I was in the eighth grade. That's the first time. And it was downhill from there. So I'm just sharing with you stuff from my own personal life, but I'm also saying this. In the ministry of healing and deliverance and in church, we should be a healing house. We should be a place where the broken can come to get deliverance and healing. And listen, I know that Sunday morning is not the time for that. This is celebration. This is community. This is different than having personal ministry, but it's necessary and needful, and your pastors recognize that. And I thank God for pastors who are saying, we need to find means and ways to minister to people in areas of brokenness so that they can live a whole life. So... Townsend, his name is um, Dr. Henry Cloud and John Townsend. They wrote a book, and they, in it they make reference to the mom factor. There are five things every child needs from their mom. Safety, nurture, trust, belonging, and someone to love. I'm not going to take the time to go through all of those, but it's a really good resource if you were to jump online and check out uh, the mom factor. And uh, it would be something that would be worth your time as far as even ministering and raising up the next generation. These are all the principles that we need to be able to have in place in our own life before we can be used to minister to other people in their life. Ezekiel chapter 10, verse 5 says, And the sound of the wings of the cherubim was heard up to the outer court like the voice of El Shaddai when he speaks. Do you ever wonder some of the strange names of God, El Shaddai? El Shaddai. I mean, how do you even like wrap your brain around what that means? You really have to stop and you have to study it out and you'll find out something that's quite amazing. El Shaddai means the many-breasted one. It means the nurturing heart of God, that place of uh, sustaining you through life and only as a mother can do with a baby infant and nurse them. So this is a part of God that is a foreign thought to a lot of people. To think of God as a spirit and to think of him as the one that comforts like a mother. Isaiah 66, 13 says, as one whom his mother comforts. So I, El Shaddai, will comfort you, Israel. She will feed from the endless life-giving milk of the double-breasted one called El Shaddai. And she will live and not die. The God of Israel, El Shaddai, will be made known to all nations. And he is the God of his people, Israel. This is the father that we 
often refer to as the authority and often refer to him as, you know, the almighty. This is the father that's a many-breasted one that draws you near to nurture you, to nurse you, to care for you. At one scripture verse, it says, he puts you on his knees and he dandles you like a little child. Now, that's a picture of father that a lot of us don't have of our biological dads. We don't see that tender side, but it's demonstrated often through moms. And I'm not saying that fathers don't have a tender side. I'm not, I'm not trying to do absolutes here. I'm just making reference for most Gender roles, we think of the father as the tough one and the mother as the soft one. Ask mom, she'll let you. You know how that works. All right, so the area of trust, Psalm 22, this is what David said. But you, you are he who took me out of the womb. You made me trust while on my mother's breast. I was cast upon you from birth, from my mother's womb. You, may, you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near and there is none to help. It's interesting. I've seen little pictures and things of, from moms, and it says God couldn't be any, everywhere, so he'd made moms. Well, first of all, that's not biblically true. God <laughs> is everywhere, but it's a nice gesture. That's, that's why he made moms. But the, the fact is this, is that God knew you and formed you in your mother's womb. And many people that we've ministered through, through the Healing Waters uh, weekends and the ministry of He Cares for Me, many out of hundreds of people that I've ministered to will say, and I don't mean just with Healing Waters and the, the He Cares for Me, but as a pastor, the hundreds of people that I've ministered to, this is what they'll say. Why, why, why was I born in the family that I was born in? Why? Questioning God. Why, 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 God, would you allow the things happen to me that happened to me? Why, God? I don't understand. Why did I have to be born this color? Or why did I have to be born this ethnicity? Why? Why did I have to be born to a poor family? Why? And the question of why, why never allows people to move beyond the why into saying, all right, God, your choice is right. What my parents did may not be a right choice for me, but your choice is always right. So I'm going to bless who you chose to bring me forth into this world because it was your choosing. What they did with that choice is not God's fault. And we often blame God for the choice our parents made and how they raised us. And this is what I tell people all the time. The scripture verse in Deuteronomy, I believe it's 516, says, Honor your mother and father, for with it comes a blessing, that it may go well with you, and you may have long life. And how many times people will say, I can't honor my parents. You don't know what they've done to me. And this is what I say back to them. You must honor your parents in order for the Lord to be able to release blessing into your life by holding on to the injustice or the pain or the hurt or the disappointment or the frustration or whatever it is that was done to you. By holding on to that, has it added to the quality of your life? And most oftentimes they can say, no, I have issues. Well, good. So what are you going to do with those issues? Well, I'm going to a doctor and they put me on medication and I'm not faulting medication and doctors. But is that the absolute best for God, uh, for your life from God? He wants to heal you and deliver you and make you whole. So as we, people are brought through, and I'll never forget this one Healing Waters weekend, very mature, and, and, I'm, and, I, and I speak this because I highly respect this person, very mature spiritually, very much respected, uh, degrees and more, uh, more master's degrees than, than I'll ever know, <laughs> even can count, um, very brilliant, very wise, incredibly respected person came for prayer at the time that we were forgiving parents. 
And they walked up to me and they said, I've been an elder, I've been a pastor, I've been this, I've been that, I've been all these things. And nobody has ever been able to get me to forgive my father. And neither are you. And I looked at him and this is what I said, and I'm not going to try. <laughs> Bottom line is, do you call yourself a disciple of Jesus Christ? Yes, I am, and I disciple people. And I said, well, you're not a very good one. Because you're not following the example of Christ. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Oh, no, my father knew what he was doing. Okay, how about this? Forgiven, you shall be forgiven. And if you don't forgive, you'll be handed over to the tormentors. Well, I, and they went off in this. I said, nope, I'll tell you what. This is what we're doing right now. You need to go have a seat. This is between you and God, and I'm not getting in this mix. It's not my battle. They sat down, and by the next session, they came up. I'm ready to forgive my father. I said, well, what made the difference? You didn't fight with me. You turned me over to God. <laughs> yeah, he's the only one that can do it. I turned you over to God. I turned my family over to God all the time. All right. So here's the bottom line. This person came through, and now they're telling their testimony to mature, educated, amazing Christians who have been followers of Jesus Christ most of their life, and she is able to give her testimony of what the Lord did in her life through forgiving her own biological dad. And it's amazing because, you know, in the natural, we have every right to be angry, every right. I have the right to be angry because they did this to me. But in the spiritual, guess what? When you said, Lord, I surrender my life to you. I no longer have my rights. It's your rights because you make me righteous. So, Lord, it's not my way. It's Yahweh. I'm going your way. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> Yahweh. God is good. I don't even know where I am on my paper. I don't even know what time it is. Having fun. All right. So one of the other things that's really important that moms do is they, they are the object of love for their children. It's a beautiful thing. Because not only do we need love, we need to give love. Not only do we give love, but we receive love. And we learn about God and his love. Now listen to this. Emotional development comes not only from the mother's investment in the child, but also the child's investment in the mother. A mother provides someone for the child to love in order to develop emotionally, physically, intellectually, and socially. We need not only to be loved, but to love. Love fills us up and colors our outlook on others and the world in which we live so that we view life with hope and optimism. We have a basic need to love people, and that requires someone to love. If mother is safe, we love her. If she's not, we either are overwhelmed by isolation or we're filled with hatred. If mom provides safety, nurture, trust, belonging, and love, then the child has a foundation for a healthy development. So it's so important. A mother's love is so important. And many, many women think, if I just have a child to love... I'll be, I'll be good, I'll have value, I'll have meaning in life, when not realizing that having a child is not about them loving you back, it's about you giving them what you have. It's important that moms are healed and delivered. We have a future and a hope in God who not only saves us, but he heals us and he delivers us. That's the whole gospel. He saves, heals, and delivers I'm going to ask Annie Harlan if she'll come up. She's going to give her testimony as she comes. (laughs) 
So Annie was there for most of the Monday nights when we had the Ministry of Healing and Deliverance at um, the J-Hop location, 135 Western. And then she called and made an appointment for what we call a two-hour personal appointment for one-on-one personal ministry. So I've asked Annie if she'd come and share with you how the Lord met her in her place of need. So go right ahead. Hi, everyone. I don't think the mic is on. Okay, awesome. So I want to share about the the healing that I experienced from the pains that I went through with my family. But just to give you context, um, I wanted to start with just my drive on the way to the healing ministry. Um, So I remember just driving and just asking God, like, God, I want to be near to you. I want to know you more, and I want to know who you are. And I'm just saying that prayer, and I want to just really, truly walk in freedom that I have gone to so many healing (laughs) sessions and ministries, but I feel like I'm not walking freely. So I was just saying that prayer, and God reminded me that just tell me who I am and just remind me of who I am. Um, And I remember just uh, listening to the podcast um, from IHOP, uh, the prayer sessions that they have, and... um, the song came on, the Prince of Peace, that, um, that you're Lord of Lords, you are Prince of a King of Kings. And then just, yeah, just like declaring that. And just as I was singing it, that just declaring who God is. And little did I know that hindsight that God was just really building that trust with me. And that he, as I was entering into the vulnerability of just being vulnerable with God and just being vulnerable um, with him, um, during this healing session that God was uh, building that trust with me. So I get to the healing session, and I sit down, and it's like, and Pastor Marlene's asking, so what do you want to be free from? It's like, I honestly don't know. <laughs> um, but just, and she asks, like, have you prayed through the forgiveness for your family? Um, and as she mentioned that the, the relationship that you have with your family is the relationship, how you view God and how you view Jesus, that God wants to be relational, but then as you have the earthly mindset or how you, how you, how you are relating to others who are on this very earth is how you relate yourself to God. So, hey, um, so we started one by one from my dad, from my mom, from my siblings. I have two sisters. Um, and then just really pray through um, any pains that I have experienced as a child and as throughout my years. You know, one of, one of the examples um, is that um, my, so my parents are loving. <laughs> they are very um, caring and they, they're great parents. But then as like like as a human that you have so many you have flaws that um as a child that i've i've believed that they're invincible that they can do anything that they don't make mistakes but that but that they are humans and they have flaws so as we entered into time of prayer to just um uh, pastor Marlene asked um is there anything that you would like to forgive for from your for your mom and we just waited and waited for the Holy Spirit to reveal. Um, and I remember um, one of the things that my mom said that, um, that uh, so we were talking about leading prayer um, and doing worship and whatnot. Um, and she was mentioning how 
your your younger sister can have like a main vocal, but you you have the voice of like the backup singer, and that really like struck my heart. And I know that she meant with a good heart to just say that. Um, uh, maybe you should look for something else that you can do well, like you can look for art or something else that you can really invest your life in. Um, but then I was, that's something that really struck me and um, there are many, many things that she has said with loving heart um, in, in without the intention to hurt me, um, but that things that just really uh, was impressed in my heart. And then so as a child, I was just running away from those uh, those things and saying, "I can prove you right that I can sing, or I can I can um, I can get A's, or everything that I was doing was striving." Um, and then even though I was doing those things, I wasn't able to fulfill the the um, and to walk in that destiny that God has uh, uh, told me, because I was doing it out of anger. And I was doing it out of bitterness. Um, so I, so we sat down and we started praying that, that I want to break this lies that has been spoken over me, and to, and to really fully walk into the destiny that God has spoken over me. That God, that you have spoken that that my voice has impact, my voice has influence, and that my voice has changes the atmosphere that I walk in. So we started to, well, first just renouncing the lies, and then and then just really ta- telling myself and and to declare the fact that I I have the voice and um and just declaring what. God has spoken to me. So that's one of the stories that it was one of the freedom that I really walked in. And it's so funny how God does it because I remember going um, going back, just feeling this heavy burden being lifted off. And just the heart, the the tightness that I had in my heart just being loosened and just really, truly, truly walking in freedom. And 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 he's amazing because um, during that the week that I came back, I was able to um, speak at, at a small group, at a college group, um, about inner healing. And I was able to lead for Saturday night um, prayer. And, and f- through that, I was able to just glorify what he has given me and just truly walk in the destiny that he has spoken over me. So I'm just really thankful. So I just invite you guys to really open your hearts to to trust God of um, the pains that you have experienced and to know that he can give you freedom and that you are able to take back what the enemy has stolen and that you are able to reclaim back the territory, the the vision and the promise that he has given you. Amen. Amen. And why don't you share something happened physically to her. Something happened physically, which we didn't even pray for. So can you share real quick what that is? Real quick. Yeah. um, So I (laughs) had experienced the pain um, from my, like, from my fingers all the way to my toes on my right side of my body, just, just the tightness of it. And I've always just lived with this pain since, like, middle school. Um, But once we were able to just renounce everything, um, the lies, and and just reclaim back, um, my physical body was healed, too. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? Awesome. 
So often, our physical discomfort or pain or stress and all those things and all of the diagnosis, and thank God for doctors, but it sometimes is related to emotional brokenness and spiritual entities. So once those things are dealt with, healing comes to the physical body. Uh, I want to just share with you uh, something that's, in closing, very, very special to me. Growing up as a child, you know, talking about our identity being healed, and we're fashioned and formed by the words of our parents. The very first words that we hear come from our parents and our, and our siblings. And um, I can remember as a child um, being made fun of because of my name. It wasn't a popular name, uh, Marlene. It's not a cute name. It's not a name that you can come up with a cool nickname. It's, all, it's just a name. And so I just remember always feeling like, I don't even really like my name, and when I grow up, I'm going to change it. Um, but what happened is when I became a Christian, I realized that when Jewish people named their babies, they named their children a name that would reflect the character of that child. And so I became interested in and curious about not only my identity and who I am in Christ, but also my name has meaning, just like El Shaddai, that has meaning. And learning the meaning of your name, it's important to know the Hebrew and the Greek meaning of your name. So as I found the origin of the name, this is where it comes from. Mary Magdalene, a repentant sinner who washed the feet of Jesus. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I like my name now. And so part of our healing and our identity is knowing that you were named with a name that isn't, wasn't your parents' idea. God influences and incites things in the heart of parents. And I, I encourage you to look up. Now, listen to this. This is the rest of it. The root is Maria, which means bitter. My life was bitter. First chapter in my book is, Home is Where the Hurt Is. And it talks about the difficulties I had to overcome as a child. So I had bitterness in my soul, but the cool thing about it is this. Lean, the last part of Magdalene, lean, Lena is borrowed from the name Marlene, which means a torch or one who shows light and leads the path. So in the very area that the enemy meant for evil to destroy my life and cause me to be bitter and reject my identity of who I was as a human being is the very thing that God flipped around, uses my life to pour it out as a fragrance and an anointing for other people's lives to be healed and delivered, not because I'm the deliverer, because I'm not. I'm just a vessel that's been healed. And then he flips what the enemy meant to put me in darkness and depression and to keep me even which my destiny was to be put on medication because I was losing my mind because of my anger and distress. So the enemy meant evil to put me in darkness, but now God uses me as a torch runner to bring light to others. God wants to do the same for each and every one of us. He promises he'll take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it around together for good. And before you were born, God chose you to be his son and his daughter. We have a high calling to reveal who Christ is to the world. Your very existence has the potential to change the world. For the battle for the Christian is in the mind over ideology. God's ideas and thoughts regarding life, marriage, and family versus the world's ideology. So as we grow whole and healthy in Christ, we're able to help others to be that have been in darkness to find the light and find the way. You were born for such a time as this, to be a change agent and to change the world. Amen? Amen. So let me encourage you with a closing prayer. 
Father, I thank you for each person that's here and those that will listen on the web. Father, your intention to every human child that is conceived is that we have a future and a hope. But because you gave man the choice of what to do with the responsibility of life, we will all stand before Almighty God one day. And every one of us in this room are a sinner. Every one of us in this room have done things, Father, that have been an offense and a violation to your word. But I thank you for the blood of Jesus. I thank you that the blood washes us and cleanses us and makes us brand new. I thank you, Lord, that through the blood we are born again and we get a chance to live life according to the blueprint and the intention of Almighty God for us. And everything that the enemy meant for evil, God, you're going to turn it around together for good if we will allow the Holy Spirit, that place, to work in our lives and to bring to our remembrance those things that need to be addressed, addressed and changed and healed that we need deliverance, Lord. And so, Father, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. No matter what we've done before the blood, before the cross, there is forgiveness and freedom. And I thank you, Lord, as Paul wrote, that he was the chiefest of sinners. Lord, each one of us in this room, we know the darkness of our own soul and those that have suppressed it so deep and so long and even used medication to cover it over. Lord, I thank you. Your love goes to the depths of the human soul to bring healing and deliverance. David said, if I make my bed in hell, there you are, Lord. And God, those that are living in a place of despair and despondency and discouragement and hopelessness, Jesus, I pray that they'd lay hold of that which you've laid hold of them for and they'd come into the fullness of all that you have for them. Lord, I ask it not just for those that are sitting here or listening, but I ask it for their children and their children's children that, God, this would be a different world if we would only walk in the fullness that Christ Jesus died to give us. And so, Lord, I thank you that you are more than able. And I know in whom I've believed and I'm fully persuaded that not only are you able, but you want to. Not only are you able and you want to, but you will do according to your good plan in our lives. And so, Lord, we bless you today. We thank you for the gift of life that you gave us. And we thank you, Lord God, that not only in the natural realm have we given life and birthed children, but God, in the spiritual realm, you want to birth sons and gods through the ministry here at Hilltop. You want to birth sons and gods into the kingdom through our life. May we be a reflection of Jesus. And when they see us, may they see Christ. And Father, I thank you that you will take everything and work it for good. May our testimony always bring you glory. In Jesus' name, amen.